Thanks for joining us for this edition of Forward Church Online. Today's podcast was recently recorded at one of our live worship experiences. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. How many ready to take notes tonight? How many ready, ready? Say, say ready, ready, ready. We turned the air off. Everybody should be good. Nobody should be, should be cold tonight and stuff. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but um, anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm about ready to preach this thing like I feel it tonight as if there's like 5,000 family members in this room tonight. Is that okay with y'all? Is that okay with y'all? Can we go after it tonight? How many hungry? See, I said family members. I didn't say a bunch of church people. I said family. I like family. I don't like hanging out with church people. Church people, they, they, well. (laughs) So there's this saying that's been around for quite, I love you. I'm just messing with you tonight. You know that. Um, There's this saying that's been around for a long time, and you probably heard it. it. It goes like this. It's not how you start. It's how you, how you finish. Now, although that is a very true statement, Although that is a true statement, it is not how you start, it's how you finish. But let me, let me, let me warn you tonight, there's, there's something that is, that is um, important that we understand about that. Because it is true, especially in the life of a believer, especially in the life of a Christian. But what's even more important than the finish line is the supporting steps that it takes to get to the finish line. And this is a process that the Holy Spirit has really been dealing with me on because we're really big, and you've heard me say this, and it's just, and I'll continue to say it because it's burning on the inside of me. It's one thing to have a vision, but it's one thing to actually have a mission that's going to get you connected with that vision. Amen? And so, it, yes, it, it's, it's important how we start. And a lot of times when you start something, there's a lot of excitement. If you start a new church, there's excitement. If you start a new marriage, on that first night, there's a lot of excitement. Um, I'm going to keep moving. And, and, you know, you start a new business, there's a lot of excitement. And then, and then you look off and you go, well, well, you know, when you first get married, we're going to have kids. And later on, then we're going to have grandkids. And, 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 and we're going to go on vacations. We're going to do all this stuff. Or, or we're going we're gonna to kick off this new business and it's going to be great. And we're going to make millions and all those things. That's, that's the long-term goal. But how many knows it's important that you're, that you're following steps to get there if all you do is stand in one place and go man that's going to be great one day but you're not making any action no moves to actually get there you are leading a very dreary life and the church said oh me so it's time to take a step nudge the other person tell him say he is still talking to you it's time to take some steps now there are motivational speakers that will pack out auditoriums all across the nation that will tell you it's not how you start it's how you finish but i'm here tonight to tell you it's important that we are that we are honing in and zeroing in i'm making up words tonight i don't even know if it's a vocabulary word or not but it's important that we hone in on the steps that it's necessary to get us to our destination Amen. Because what happens is we begin we begin shifting our focus to the finish line and 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 the, and the end result with all the while losing touch with reality and the, the ability to see step by step. Because what happens is we're looking way out there. And, and like I said, when you start something, you're all excited and everything's great. And then all of a sudden you get weary and you kind of just look around, you take inventory and you kind of say, well, man, it's it's really it's a long way off. And I, I'm not really sure. And what happens? You you just kind of pause. And you get stuck. 
I've said this before. You can be a Sunday school teacher and be stuck. You can be a pastor and be stuck. You can lead worship and be stuck. You can come to church every day the doors are open and you can still be a stuck Christian. If you're not moving and, and, and putting into action that what God is calling you to do. Amen? So what happens is with our eyes focused on the finish line or we focus on our promise or we focus on our destiny or our future, we quickly become overwhelmed with the distance between where we are and where we want to be. We become distracted. And before long, we begin taking steps away from that that which what God is calling us to, and we begin to take steps away back into what the enemy is calling us to, and it's always away from where God is calling us to. Amen. Sometimes it's not even if the enemy can get you to take steps away. It's just can he get you to turn your back on the thing that God is trying to call you to. I'm talking to married couples tonight. Sometimes the enemy will just try to get you to turn your back and begin to whisper things in your ear away from that which God is calling you to. What God has joined together, let no man put or separate or split or cause division. We begin taking steps away from our promise and our destiny. Tonight I want to speak to you for just 20 to 25 minutes from the subject, one small step. Can you say that with me? Say one small step. One of the steps, and I'm encouraging you to take notes tonight. I, I, don't, I shouldn't have to say that. I believe that if you came in here to get something tonight that you want to apply, it's going to, be, it's going to have more of a, a, an effect on your life if you will do more than just hear it because I didn't come tonight to just encourage you for just a few moments. I want to encourage you for a lifetime. I didn't come to inspire you for just a few moments and you walk out the door, then the enemy kind of turns you around from what God's calling you to and then you forget all about what God is trying to get to you. So the first thing, the first step or the first hurdle that we need to overcome is this, consistency. Consistency in our walk. And I'm not going to stay here if you've been here at Forward for any length of time. You'll know that I did a whole series on the power of consistency. I don't even think that was the title, but it was something to do with that. But I believe that consistency, it's, it is the downfall of humanity. It's, you see it in the church. You see it in communities. You see it in businesses. Consistency or inconsistency. It's huge that we get this and we get it right because we lack the drive or the ability to be consistent. We begin taking steps towards our future and then all of a sudden we get bored with where we are. We get bored with our spouse. We get bored with the job we are and then all of a sudden we become inconsistent. You don't even have to switch, switch, switch roles or switch spouses. You don't even have to. All you got to do is just get inconsistent and, 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 and the rest is history. A lot of times we try to blame the enemy for what's going on in our marriage or we try to blame the enemy for what's going on in our church. Really, we, we do more work for the enemy. Am I going too fast? Are y'all, are y'all tracking me tonight? We do more work for the enemy than we do for God because when we get inconsistent, the enemy don't have to do anything. We're doing it all on our own. We are, we are our own demise because we lack the ability to be consistent. And I'm telling you, and I can say this firmly now, for the rest of my life and as long as God has me in this church, I will be consistent. I want to be a consistent pastor. I want to be a consistent friend. I want to be a consistent spouse. I want to be a consistent father. Everything about my life, I want to be consistent. I don't want to give the the enemy any opportunity for for me to put cards on the table that shows that B is going to be inconsistent. Because I believe when the enemy sees us put that card on the table, then he's got another plot to try to get us away from that which God is calling us to. Do you believe it tonight? Say amen. 
So think back. The very first Sunday of this year, I did a, I did a, uh, a message entitled uh, New Year, New Habits. And I gave you seven habits. And I'm not going to take a poll tonight. And I said, I gave you these seven habits to replace maybe some bad habits you have. And I said that if you would do these seven habits, I guarantee you will see a miraculous change in your life, in your home, as we're going to see in this, in this church body. And I'm not going to do a poll tonight to say how you're doing with that because I believe there's probably been some inconsistency. But just to kind of recap, I wrote them down tonight, and it's this. Number one was daily what? Daily Bible reading. If we'll get consistent with daily Bible reading, wow, what a change will be in our life. If we would get consistent with the second one, which was prayer. If we would daily have a conversation like we have a conversation with people through text or, or through a, a, a phone call. If we would actually have that same connection with our Heavenly Father. He wants to hear from us. It's time to get consistent. If we would have a consistent church attendance. If we would make giving a habit and be consistent with it. If we would uh, 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 grow or have growth in our, in our marriages, in our lives, and in our home. And be consistent with that. Be determined. Don't settle for just whatever. Grow. Believing God for the best. Believing the best in everything. Regardless if it doesn't look right. Just believe that God's working it out. Be consistent with that thought process. And then last one was what? You tell me. What was the last one? Surrender. Man, y'all are awesome. Y'all either, either got it in your spirit or you just flip back a couple pages in your notebook. But if we would get consistent in our life of surrender, I, I just believe... if. This is what this is. I wrote it down somewhere in my notes, and I may say it later, but this is what God gave me. At the moment we get consistent, we become unstoppable. When we get consistent in our homes and in our walk with Christ, we become unstoppable. Again, because when we put inconsistency on the table, the enemy, he just has a heyday with that. He may or may not, he may not have to do anything at all. We do, we, we do all of that on our own by being inconsistent. Regardless of, I told you it was going to be there, regardless of what you're going through, the moment you get consistent, you become unstoppable. Another step that we need, to, we need to take and another hurdle we need to go over is obedience. Obedience. Being consistent and obedient to what God is asking of us. And this one's huge. It's big. Obedience. Say obedience. In today's society, we are raising up a generation that, that knows how to justify why it's okay not to do what we're supposed to do. I am so blown away uh, over the past year. Ansley's come home, and she's, she's, go, she's given me the scoop on some of her teachers, and she's just told me, you know, the principal says it's supposed to be this way, this way, this way, but my teacher says this is her classroom. This is what she's telling the students now. This is my classroom. I'll run it the way I want to. I don't care what they say. If you want your cell phones, you can have your cell phones. They got an issue with that. This is my classroom. I'll take up for you. This is exactly what a teacher is telling our students. And we wonder why they walk in, they, 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 they graduate, go to a job, and think they're running that business. Then they grow up even older, and they come in the church and think they're going to run the church because they can drop a check. Man, you take your check down the street. It ain't about the money, baby. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus got us covered. But we're raising up a generation that knows how to justify between what's right and what's wrong. And if it's wrong, I'm going to justify why I'm going to say it's okay and God's going to wink at it. You're not going to slide by God and hope he don't see. If that was the case, he's not G-O-D. He's not God. And he is. Everybody say, he sees all. Everybody say, obedience. 
I was thinking about this story. Somebody's like, I'm so glad you're getting to the word instead of telling stories. But I was thinking about this story tonight where the nation of Israel was begging God to give them a king. So the prophet Samuel goes, if you're wondering where I'm going tonight, I'm going to 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'll be there momentarily. The prophet Samuel uh, goes out and finds this man named Saul, and he anoints Saul and appoints him as the first king over Israel. Now, one of Saul's very first assignments was from God was to completely destroy the Amalekite nation and kill all the cattle, all the sheep, everything that is to do with the Amalekite nation. We're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning with verse 7. If you don't have your Bible, I've got it up on the screen for you tonight, and it starts and it says this, Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, to the east of Egypt. He took Agag. Is that right? It don't matter. I'm preaching it this way. Y'all just have to look over my vocabulary. Amy Weber's not here tonight, so she can't scold me for it. She's like, you need to sound it out. I am Agag. I don't know. King of the Amalekites. He took Agag. Whatever. I keep pronouncing it different. He took the king of the Amalekites alive. I'm pausing for a reason. He took him alive. First sign of disobedience. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul, the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These were unwilling, these they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Now, Saul was instructed to destroy everything, but he only destroyed the things that were of no value to him. Think about how we are today when God says, I need you to give up that. I need you to destroy that before it destroys you. And we go, okay, I'll I'll give up this portion, but this portion I'm going to keep because it's going to actually do a little something for me. May I submit to you tonight that there are some things that you keep trying to hold on to that God has been telling you and telling you and telling you to let it go. And what's happening is you keep tripping up on it and it's preventing you from finishing strong. It's preventing you from reaching your destiny. It's preventing you from reaching that which God is calling you to because you refuse to let go of it. What are you hanging on to tonight? That God has told you time and time and time again to let go of. Maybe it's somebody you're dating, singles. Maybe it's a toxic relationship or a toxic friendship. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Listen, I said it before and I'll say it again. We start off great. Everything's lovely. And we see the finish line. And then we're going after, we're going after. And it almost seems like sometimes the finish line keeps moving. You ever been there? You're like, I thought I was closer than I was. And for some reason, it seems like it's further off. So what happens? We pause, we get stuck, and then we just chill. And we keep allowing that thing to trip us up and prevent us from getting to all that God has for us. Just put your hand on your chest and say, God has got it all for me. For all the single people here that's on uh, uh, FarmersOnly.com and Tinder and all that other stuff. Man, (laughs) turn it over to God. I'll never forget. I was finding love in all the wrong places about 18, 19, 20 years ago. And at the moment that I said, I give up (laughs) because I'm picking them wrong, picking them wrong. Anybody else picked them wrong? Because I'm feeling awful lonely in this little church tonight. I was picking them wrong. And at the moment that I said, God, I, I give up, 
Amy Weber come walking across that call execution floor. And I was like, Woo-wee! thank you, Jesus. <laughs> now, did I do everything right? No, I still messed up sometimes. But God has a way of working it all out for my good. At the moment that I said, God, I, I quit. My way, obviously, is not working. I'm just trying to help some single people out tonight. Now, let me talk to the married people tonight. You got to surrender what you want. You got to surrender how you think it needs to happen. You got to surrender you to him so he can come into your house and you'll have the happiest marriage you've ever had from the moment you said, he said, I do, she said, I do, and he said, kiss the bride, and y'all, the rest is history. God wants to come in and just be magnificent in your homes tonight. Do you believe that? Say, I surrender. Maybe you want to look at your spouse and just, in and, and your own way. I, I know a lot of times I put words in your mouth, but maybe you want to look at somebody and say, I surrender. Maybe you want to look up to God, single people, and go, I surrender. God, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. Listen, if I keep hanging on to what God has told me to let go of, I'm not going to arrive at the place that he's trying to get me to. I, I said this, and I heard it on a leadership podcast, and I'll say it again. Who are you stepping with? Who are you stepping with? We don't like to fly solo. That was a lot of the reason why I was picking the wrong people because I, I didn't want to fly solo. I was trying to, I needed somebody in the, in the cockpit with me, so to speak. You know, God, you're my co-pilot. That's the problem right there. He shouldn't be the co-pilot. He should be the man. Amen? He's, he's, a good, he's, he's more than a good, good father. He's a good, good pilot. And if we would let him get in the captain's seat, man, our lives would be, yeah, so, so, so who are you stepping with? Hanging with the right people will be the greatest asset. Hanging with the wrong people will be the greatest liability in your life that to which God is trying to get you and call you to. Don't get angry with God when you're not seeing the results that you so desperately want to see when you're not willing to give up you. That's what Saul said. Saul had an awesome privilege. He was the first king. Some of y'all are the first in your family to ever buy your own car. Some of y'all are the first in your family to ever buy your own house. Some of you in your, in your family are the first to ever go to college. Some of you in your family are the, are the first to actually have, a, have, a, have kids growing up in a house that's got the same mama and the same daddy to all in the room. And I'm not knocking anybody who doesn't, and you got it, you know, because it's that way in my house. But my house is surrendered to him. But I'm just saying there's a first. And there's a responsibility on our lives for first. He had an assignment to destroy everything, and Saul gives partial obedience. I'm here tonight to tell you that partial obedience or delayed obedience is still disobedience. I know that's, not, that, that's good preaching, but it ain't going to cause y'all to shout. I know. Because see, what Saul was saying was, I did what he said, half of it. I went out and I attacked, but I kept what I, what I thought. What I thought was, was going to actually be good for us. I mean, God, don't you want what's good for us? I thought I saw it as good. I thought she was good, so I thought she was the one for me. No, that's not what he said. So many people are like, man, I want to hang out. I, I, I want to hang out and hang on to what I want to hang on to. I want to do it my way. You can't do it his way and still do it your way. That's called conflict. You can't have a marriage and work it out his way and still try to do it your way. It will cause lots of conflict. All the married people are like, I hope he don't tell me to nudge my neighbor right now and say, he's talking to you. 
Y'all know how it is. Y'all get to church and the, you're like, man, I hope the preacher. You know, you had that, you had that, that, that altercation right before you walked in. You walk in and everything's lovely, right? No, it's not. And then you're like, man, I hope the preacher just lights him up today. I mean, I hope he preaches him sick. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all been there. And the preacher says something. You're like, man, I hope he's getting it. I hope, I hope God, I hope you're talking to him. Could it be? Could it possibly be? The thing that bothers you about him is actually what you got an issue with. That's what psychologists will tell you. What aggravates you and other people, if you would just look, basically that's just a reflection of the mirror, something you're dealing with. If you'll stop dealing with it and actually give it to God, your life, you wouldn't have to be on so much medication. Listen, we can't have everything. You can't have everything you want, fully privileged, selfish, and still finish strong. It's not possible. What are the things that you have in your grip that God has asked you to let go of? Listen, there are some people that you've got in your grip or that have a grip on you that can't, they're not, they are not allowed to go where God is calling you to go and you're never going to get there because they're not permitted to go. You're not going to get there until you let them go or make sure that they let you go. There's some people that can't go where God is calling you to go. There's some things that you can't bring into the place where God is calling you to bring because it's toxic, because it's tainted. Somebody say one small step. Yeah, but there are those that would say in the church, yeah, Pastor B, but I'm still standing. I may have some things going on, but, but I'm still standing. I still come to church. I still pay my tithe. You tell me to lift my hands of worship, and baby, I'm right there with you. Thank you, Jesus. But, but you've got this pride issue where you're like, I'm still standing. You can be disciplined and still be full of yourself and still have an issue with saying, I'm still standing. Listen, it's not about the, the, stance, the, the, the stance you have or the power in your punch. It's in the purpose of your steps. Did you hear what I said? God's not interested in how well you can stand and go, I'm disciplined. I, I'm, I've got it together. I'm, I'm, I'm still standing. He's interested in, is there purpose in your steps? Everybody say Purpose. I'm still standing. Listen, you stand long enough and you become a stagnant pond instead of a rushing wind, uh, a rushing river. I'm still standing. You stand long enough and you become, a, you become stagnant and everyone around you is rushing by and you're staying stuck. And then what happens is you begin to take cheap shots because you're unwilling to actually move your feet in the direction that God is wanting you to go. But I'm still standing. But what are you doing? This is what Saul is. This is what Saul did. I got this, God. I know I may not have done it like you said, but, I, but I'm still here. I'm still standing and I'm still king. I wrote it down this way. I knew I wasn't going to get it right. It's not about the pride in your stance or the power in your punch. It's about the purpose in your steps. We must have purposeful steps. That was the other one. It's not going to be on the screen. I said you had to have steps of consistency steps of obedience and you also have to have steps of purpose i don't want to go anywhere and do anything just because just just because too many people too many churches just just hanging out and being church just because i want everything that we do to be on purpose we must have purpose purposeful steps yes the bible does teach us when you have done all stand i got that part 
But if you look in that verse, it's actually talking about how you're putting on the full armor of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm not putting a helmet, a shield, a breastplate, shoes, a shield, and a sword just to stand there. That's, that's actually equipment that you're supposed to do something with. And then once you've done that all, all that, then you can stand. There comes a time that you've got to advance. There comes a time you've got to take steps forward. On July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong stepped foot. He was the very first man to step foot first man. Remember what I said first. He was the first man to step foot on the moon. He was most famous for making the quote, that's one small step for man. It's one giant leap for mankind. In 1969, that was cool. It was one step. It was just one step. But all these years later, it was one gigantic leap for, for, for humanity and for the, uh, uh, everything that's going on up there. And it all started with one small step. Imagine what you can do. Imagine what God wants to use us to do. I'm telling you, this city has never seen what God wants to do in this city. And all he's not looking for forward, first, pine, hardy town he's not looking for all these churches he's just looking for some people that would say i will be the one i will be the one that would stand up i'll be obedient i'll be consistent and i want my steps to be on purpose and watch what god is going to do in this city because of those kinds of people because i don't want people to think he's He's trying to say that forward's going to be the one to lead the city of Chiefland to Jesus. No, it might not be you if you're not obedient, consistent, and full of purpose. He's just looking for some people to get on the, on the train. One small step of obedience is one giant leap towards your future. Write that down. One small step of obedience is one giant leap to your future. Can I have 10 more minutes? Despite, listen, don't despise the small steps. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. I wasn't knocking if when I came up and said, I'm going to preach like there's 5,000 people here. I'm just telling you, I just want to give it like he's got it inside of me. I want somebody else to catch it. One small step of reading your word is one giant leap to actually understanding the whole thing. Somebody say one small step. One small step of faithfulness to your wife is one giant leap to your kids waking up in a two-parent home for the rest of their lives. One small step. One small step of tithing and trusting God is one giant leap to the breakthrough that you believe in God for for all this time. And who knew all you had to do was be obedient and be consistent and do it on purpose. I told you I wasn't going to be shy about the tithing thing. God don't need your money. He don't need my money, but I sure need to give it because it's what actually causes the currency to keep flowing in my life. I can always track when, I, when, when, it's, when it's a little slow. It's because I've been a little s slow to release. I'll leave that right there. One small step of obedience is one giant leap to your future. One small step. It's not just how we start. It's not just, it's not only how we finish, but how intentional we are with our steps. Where are you stepping? Oh, where we step is important. We were taught that as a very young, as a very young child. Y'all know. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is Looking down in love, oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. It's important where you go. 
It's important who you're going with. Where are you stepping? Your steps matter. You're either stepping towards or away from what God is calling you to. Let's go on down in Samuel. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. Give me just a second. 1 Samuel chapter 15, 10. Then it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. He was the prophet, and he said, he's speaking on behalf of God, I am grieved that I have made Saul king. Can you, God, God appointed, God ordained Saul to be king. And then he said, I actually regret that I appointed him because he was disobedient. I didn't say all the way. He did some, but he didn't do all. Partial, delayed, is still disobedience. He, he, said, he said, I'm grieved that I made Saul king because he turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. <laughs> Saul begins to make excuses like we do. Yeah, but God, I, I, you know, I, I did some, but I didn't do all. But, and this is, what, this is what the prophet said. When he was making excuses like we do, this is, what, this is what the prophet said. He said, verse 16, stop. Samuel said to Saul, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? Message translation, I shot this today. Message translation said, Samuel told him, he said, when you started out in all this, you were nothing and you knew it. See, what happened was he got a little, I mean, when you're the first, there's a pride, I mean, there, there's a tendency to have a pride issue when you are the first. There was never a king before. And then you got to a place, you knew you were nothing. Then on your very first assignment, to mess up on your first assignment, he only did half of what God asked him to do. He didn't do it all. He said, when you started out in this, you were nothing and you knew it. Then God put you the head of Israel, made you king over, made you king over Israel, and then God sent you to do, a, to do a job for him, ordering you to go and put those sinners, the Amalekites, under a holy ban. As the music softly plays. Listen, although, although you may think yourself tonight to be small, I'm here to tell you that your choices are significant. See, what the enemy convinced the king was this, that his choice was insignificant. I'm here to tell you, every choice you make in life is of significance to your destiny and your future. And Now, just because we mess up and we take a detour doesn't mean we can't become consistent, get obedient, and be a, full of a life of purpose and actually get back to where we're supposed to be. That choice was significant also. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Every act of obedience is one step closer to your destiny. Can I be transparent tonight? I hate when pastors say, can I tell you the truth? No, I want you to lie to me. But can I be transparent? I believe we're family tonight. So many of you were here Sunday. I'm just trying to work out. See, I can show you a picture in the Bible of someone else who was disobedient. And it's, it's nice to point out somebody else. 
It's nice to point the finger at somebody else. That's why we do that, you know. That's why we point out somebody else's fault so the, the, the tension doesn't come back on us. But I believe it has a much greater impact if I was to share my story. So some of you, most of you were here Sunday. And you heard dad at the end of the message lay out the game plan for this ministry for the rest of this year. And at the end of December, he would transition the ministry over. And I'll step into the lead pastor role. Dad will always be the founding senior pastor. I don't like that senior title anyway. People see me around town, they be like, Mr. Weber. I'm like, nope, that's my dad. You can call me B, Bradley, or anything else, but Mr. Weber is not me. He will always be the founding senior pastor. We moved here in 2013, 14. It was six years, January 6th of this year. We've been here six years. We moved here knowing I was just going to be a support to Dad and Robin and the leadership team. They, the leadership team had prayed for Amy and I to come for years. One, I wasn't ready. Two, I was doing what I... I, I, I don't want to say I was doing what I wanted to do. I wasn't ready. Y'all would have ran me off because I was a lot of immaturity going on. So we came and we knew there was a conversation initially that said some years down the road the transition will happen. And that's the greatest. It's the greatest responsibility but that is the greatest thing that could ever happen is for a father and son to walk side by side. But over the past and I was satisfied just being a worship leader. But over the past 12 months, the enemy was right here. Even though I seem like everything's great, but he was right here in my ear. And only a handful of people know this, that in the past few months, I've had some vocal issues. It shows on the platform. I don't like to talk about it much because it's, it's hard to talk about because that's, the, that's my greatest weapon is my voice. And I've struggled. And I, I've, I've went home on Sunday afternoons and I've told Amy, maybe I'm done. Maybe I've reached my peak of what God has called me to do. And because I opened that door and I began to step that way, the enemy began to show me more steps. And he'll do that for you too. The moment that you turn your back. Because see, from a very young age, my, my prayer has always been, God, I don't have to be... I don't have to be on a platform. I don't have to be under the lights. I just want to be used to impact. I want to be an instrument that you use. You do all the work that you use to impact people. That's been my prayer. And so I, I, I began to listen to that voice. Maybe you're through. But at the same time, I could feel the tug of the Holy Spirit that was saying, no, I'm not done with you. There's more for you. And then I begin to feel a flame. I, I begin to feel pressure. I begin to feel there's more. There's more. There's more. I just believe more. And, I, and I'm having this conversation with God. I'm like, I feel you want more. I feel like I can do more. 
but dad's dad's the pastor maybe maybe i was just to come down for a season this is what this is what i'm playing maybe it was just a season by the way this is informative for you but it's healing for me right now just to say that okay and if i didn't feel like i was amongst family i wouldn't even say it So I sent a text to dad because I was listening to a voice and I said, I'm struggling with where I am right now. I'm not even sure, because again, my voice is gone, is leaving. I, I just, I want to give up Wednesday nights. I don't know if, if I'm even supposed to do this anymore. behind the scenes and I've not even told him this I was already putting some stuff together because I have a family to support I was already putting some stuff together in another state willing to just be somebody behind the scenes running a service matter of fact I got a phone call from a church in South Carolina that says we want your resume on, on tap Let me tell you something. When the enemy starts to put stuff together and makes it look pretty, because the enemy knows what God wants to do. Somebody say, where are you going with this? One small step. At the moment I got that text sent, I got a a return text from dad that said, ho, 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 wait, 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 wait. We're having to converse this way because he's working and and, and we can't can't get together because of his schedule and doctor and all those. So I'm having to, it's having to be text. Thank God for technology. That's just how it was flowing at the moment. He said, we need to talk. Unbeknownst to me what God was already doing in his heart. Dad didn't know. Dad didn't, didn't, nobody knew. It's just a handful of people that I had actually put, sent my resume. Because I was just like, God, maybe this isn't me. I'm just being exposed tonight so so you know when the enemy comes to you what it looks like. And he laid out the timeline just like you heard on Sunday. We were going to tell eldership, leadership, and then the family, the body. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I know beyond a shadow of a doubt this is where I'm supposed to be. I had somebody tell me tonight something that they saw during worship. It was confirmation and I needed it. But he's saying the same thing to every one of you tonight. God has called you to stand out. She said everybody up there had jeans on, blue jeans. You have white jeans on. The Holy Spirit told me to tell you that you were created to stand out. See, that was one of the things. That was one of the, I, I, I'm not dad. I don't preach like dad. I don't look like dad. I don't talk like dad. I didn't go to seminary like dad. I'm not dad. And I know that. I'm not Stephen Furtick. I'm not Perry Noble. I'm not any of that. I'm not T.D. Jakes. Get ready, get ready. I'm not any of that. And this is, this is what I was telling God. I'm not that guy. Maybe, I don't, I don't, I'm dumb. But I have a heart for people. I want to see I want to see the same thing that God did in my home, repairing my marriage. I believe he can do the same. What I said it earlier, what God wants to do in this city, this city has never experienced before. And all I want to be is just an instrument and just a tool to watch that happen. 
I know he's called me to be a leader and that's all I want to do is lead people to say this is the way that God is calling us to go everybody's standing all over this room every choice you make every step you make I said all that to show you it's important every choice you make is significant every step you take is significant I thank God that he turned he turned it around. he didn't allow and that, that was my prayer because in my heart I knew it was my flesh saying I don't measure up God would never look at me and go you you're not your dad you're not Perry Noble. You're not Stephen. God would never say that. No, he's looking down at heaven and saying, you're Bradley Wayne Weber. You are the one that I called. You're the one that I chose. And when you started, you knew you were nothing. I still know that I'm nothing. But I know that I'm called. And I know that he's anointed me to be a mouthpiece. Because I love people. And I've came tonight and took more than 10 extra minutes to tell you that every step you take, every choice you make is significant. Don't give up just because the, the promise looks far off. That just means, bless God, you take one more giant step. One small step is a giant leap in the direction that God wants for your life. Just one small step. Well, I can't get there. If you can just take one small step, you'll be closer today than you were yesterday. One small step. One small step. Anybody ready to step tonight? Anybody ready to step? Step to the front of this place. I'm going to pray for you in the next two minutes. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.